0: Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I have been, Cindy and I have been uh, around and about. We spent a couple weeks in the center of California at her mother's house in Turlock. And then while we were there on the weekend, we ran up to Chico, where a friend of mine pastors a church. And they, they actually helped us start the church, Gary and Joni Hamilton, in uh, Chico. They helped us here. They came when we were very at the very beginning of church life here. And then in 90, they went out and planted a church in Chico. So we ran up there. The Lord just provided a building for them. And so they're working on it. And we've been able to sneak in there every so often and see the uh, changes. It's really fun to watch what God's provided there and how they're, they got a fixer upper and they're fixing it up. So it's fun. Um, and then, uh, we came back for a few days. I, I was here while Matt Sprinkle spoke a couple weeks ago, and then, um, we went to Nashville to visit my sister and her husband, and went out to a little grocery store in Leeper's Fork. Doesn't that sound cool? I mean, it's like, cool, Leeper's Fork. And, uh, that's, that's an area where the country stars tend to live, so. Uh, we were sitting there eating lunch, and the waitress came by. She said, Miranda Lambert just walked out. She had her head covered up, and she was facing the wall and didn't want anybody. No, oh, we just missed her. That would have been fun, but oh well. <laughs> we went on with vacation, had a great time anyway, even though we missed her. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's good to be back. Today is the second message of a series that we're calling Decades. Because what happens is we tend to live our life roughly in decades that form chapters in the book of our life. Now, it's not exact sometimes that you do certain things in your 20s and then 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and so on. But we do tend to deal with the same kinds of things uh, as a, a population in different decades. Uh, we're, we're handling these things. There is a typical flow in our life and it's incredibly helpful to understand the flow. Really helpful to step back and sort of get a picture of what we can expect with the flow or or we tend to fight against it. We tend to fight against it uh, sometimes anyway, but it's very helpful. It's very easy uh, to get frustrated if you don't look at the flow of life and to get fearful over the trouble you're facing. And it's very tempting to fall into the trap of nostalgia. I want to go back. We rarely, Well, sometimes we want to go forward. Sometimes when we get nostalgic, we want to go back. So it's very tempting if, if you don't understand the flow of life to do that. And it's frustrating. John Mayer echoes the frustration in a very poignant song. It's called Stop This Train. I'd like you to listen to it with me. It's kind of like, imagine that we're in, you know, the car. You're sitting in the front seat with me. I'm going, hey, this is a great song. You've got to listen to it. Here it is. Let's listen to this together. This train, I want to get off and go home again. I can't take the speed, it's moving. Stop this train Don't know how else to say it Don't want to see my parents grow One generation's like the way Provided life out on my own There it is. That's the sense of the flow of life. Um, Mare was about 28 when he wrote this song. He co-wrote it with Pino Palladino. He was about 48. So I'm, I'm sure Pino added some, uh, perspective to the, the situation for him in his 20s. But I, that song, uh, got my attention as I was caring for my parents who were, who were aging. And we're passing away my my dad died when he was ninety three my mom when she was eighty nine and so that song really resonated with what I was going through uh, during that time and you can You can sense the frustration as he as he sings as the life is flowing and how do I stop this i 'm one generation away i I caught on onto to the song when I realized. There are going to be no layers generationally between me and heaven after my parents go, (laughs) and so I realize, hey, this is this is a different chapter I'm about to head into. Uh, Mayor recognizes the flow, and you can sense the frustration as he's trying to swim against it. He 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 was trying to stop the train. Uh, Here's some wisdom as the lyrics continue. Some wisdom back from his father. Let's listen to this. So scared of getting older. I'm only good at being young. So I play the numbers game to find a way to say that life has just begun. I talk with my old man, said help me understand, he said turn 68, you negotiate don't stop this train, don't follow me to change the place you're in. Very, very poignant. Mayor's dad shares some wisdom. Don't 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 stop the train. You know, you, you're where you're at. You, you don't need to stop it. We have this tendency to want to try to stop the train. And what it does when we get frustrated, we swim against the current, we go against the flow is we end up missing what God intends for us in the decade we're experiencing right then because we're all stirred up. We're, we're dealing with it. Sometimes our reflexes to strop, stop the train and go backward leads us to more and more frustration because it's just not going to happen. But if we know what to expect, and that's the goal of this series, we want to look at life decade by decade, chapter by chap- chapter, because. If we know what to expect, we're, we're better able to accept it from the hand of God. This is what I'm, this is what I'm dealing with right now. This is, this is my decade. I need to focus on this, and I need to do well. We can avoid the trap of nostalgia then and deal with the current trouble we're facing. In, in my decade, which is a couple of weeks from now, we're going to talk about that. In my decade, we tend to talk about Uh, what's going on with our parents, because most of us are taking care of them, Uh, aches, pains, procedures, Uh, (laughs) all kinds of stuff, Uh, the grandkids, extended family, you know, (laughs) those things sort of dominate our conversations. Um, The 30s decade that we're looking at today is very different than the one I'm in. It's composed of long, hard work. And in the midst of the long, hard work, it, it happens in long, long days. And in the midst of that, our challenge, if you're in your 30s, and our challenge anyway in any decade is to focus on what matters most to God. What is it that God wants me to do right here? It's very easy to let slip what doesn't really matter. But God wants us to hold on to what's most important in the midst of this long, hard work, these long, hard days. Hang on to it. Many of us in our 30s are building, which is building carefully. It's the title of this message. We're building families, careers, ministry, finances, friendships, and on and on. We're, we're building, and we're doing it all at once. It's not, it's not like you can focus on one thing. But you're doing all of this. You're building all of this at once. We want to build a family life that's enjoyable where the kids are trained and they're ready to handle life someday and make the most of it under the leadership of God. We're, we're getting ready for that. We're trying to establish a career. And we want to contribute significantly in an effort that means something. Christ followers are building a ministry as we do this. And we hope to make an eternal difference in in the lives of people. We want to please God with the way we live, with what we're giving our time to and our finances to. And we're doing it in this context of handling it all at once. If, if, If you're a Christ follower, you're aiming to build a ministry. If you're single... Uh, there's a unique contribution you can make to the kingdom of God, and God promises to give you a family in the context of church life. But you're building. You're building in this context. All of us steward our income. And hopefully we steward our income in a way that really meets the needs that we have, blesses the people around us and maybe under our authority, and builds wealth as we go along. I wouldn't exactly call what I do wealth management with my finances. God has provided plenty. There's, I mean, I'm very grateful for his provision. But I want to take what I have and grow it. That's, that's the bias you see in Scripture. We're doing this all at once. Everything is going on at once. And we want to handle these things in a way that, that honors God. And we do it amidst long, hard days. Long, long hours. So we're taking a look in this message at the 30s decade and what God wants us to do with it. And particularly we're going to look at a passage from the Psalms that gives some tremendous guidance for this decade. Very, very upfront guidance. It's a psalm. For building carefully. It's attributed to Solomon. He's the king of Israel, a very wise man. God blessed him with extraordinary wisdom. Uh, He actually was a builder. He built many, many things, uh, a palace for himself, but also he built the ultimate palace, God's temple. So he was a builder. And so he, he has some things to say about building. In this passage, Solomon instructs us that if we build with the Lord, our work will not be wasted. The title of the psalm is, Unless the Lord Builds the House. It's a song of Solomon. Uh, It'd be great if we could sing it. You don't want me to sing it, but it'd be great if we could. But there is some tremendous help in here. Let's listen to it. And read along with me, Psalm 127, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it labor in vain. Lest the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. In Scripture, it always points to the next generation, those last few verses pointing to the next generation. Our responsibility collectively as a congregation, as a church community, and as parents in a family is to uh, pour into and help train up the next generation. It's very important. Because those are the ones that are going to move on into the future and make it happen then. There's a major assumption behind this passage of Scripture. Here's the assumption. God is our maker. And it's a waste to try to build without him. That's, That's the assumption. If we try to build without his help, we build in vain. Very, very upfront, very straightforward. We have an idea in our culture of a self-made person, self-made millionaire. There, that was a phrase we hear sometimes, self-made millionaire. The idea of a self-made person is a total myth. It's, it's a complete myth. God gives life. He holds it together. It's because of him that we have breath, we can breathe, we have strength, uh, we have ability, we have an intellect. He, he's the one that blesses with children. They come from him, they're an honor, they're a gift from him. And he alone makes life good. He, he's the one that can make it all come together. He's the only integration point that's going to allow you to build your life in a way that that you find blessing in it. Let's go back and look at this. The psalm says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The passage isn't suggesting that we kick back and expect God to strap on the tool belt and start hammering away at building our lives for us. That's not it. What it's saying is, We're not spectators. We strap on the tool belt. We're building. But as we build, we're asking for God's help. We're building God's way. We're trying to figure out what he says about the various arenas of life. And we're aiming to build in a way that honors him. At the minimum, it's saying three things at least. One is everything we have is from God. Breath, strength, ability. It it goes better if we... So here's the thing. This This is an important part of building with God. It goes much better if you spend your days thanking God for what he's provided. You recognize the assumption behind this passage. My life has been given to me by the living God. And God, I thank you. For the life you've given me. I thank you that I can breathe. That I can live. That I have this day. In the morning. As we start out the day. Thanking God. For what he's provided. Even the challenges that we face that day. I, I In the morning. I like to get up in the morning. Look at my calendar. And start praying through each event. God thank you for this. Thank you for that. I, I ask you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to do these things. Thank you for your provision. This sets you. And there, you have to fight to get thankful sometimes. But gratitude is the place to start before the day, during the day, throughout the day. As you trust God to help you deal with the day, thank him after each event, everything that goes on. God, thank you for the help there. Number two, it's saying he's the superintendent and we're the laborers. We're working. He's superintending our work. He's, he's pulling it together. He's, he's, he's the one that's overseeing it. And he won't bless if we go rogue. And our work is our own design and it doesn't match his blueprint. He, he won't bless that. He's the superintendent. He's guiding. Number three, God's the ultimate watchman. All the effort we can muster will not guarantee that will be safe. None of it. Protection depends on God. This means we build in a way uh, that honors God and we build in faith, trusting God to protect and guide and superintend what it is we're doing. Verse 2 says, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Sleep can be an indicator, like a light on the dashboard of your faith. If it's blinking, it tells you something about the, the level of your faith as you deal with life and what's going on. If you trust in your own strength, you tend to lose sleep, worry. Anxiety kicks in. You're struggling. The way God made us, we're given the freedom to build on his blueprint or on another. One that we make up ourselves or another blueprint. We have the freedom. We can choose his plans for family life, career, building a business, ministry, finances. Or, or we can go on our own. He gives us the freedom to do that. We can ignore what he says. And build off other plans, our own plans or someone else's plans. Whose plans are you working on? Whose plans are you working from to build your life? Let's take a pause. How's it going? How are you sleeping at night? This passage is saying that when God builds the house you don't waste your effort. If we use our own wisdom, we're in danger, real danger, of what's going on. Because a faulty design can cause a collapse. Now, we get fooled sometimes because it can go years. The faulty design can hold up for years. We're living off a blueprint that maybe isn't going to to last and be sturdy over the years and we're fooled by the grace of God often and we think, oh, we're doing okay, things are coming together and then whoosh. I'd like to show you a, uh, a video clip from a TV show. This passage brings to mind a TV show uh, for me, particularly this, this passage, uh, the, the verses I just read. Um, I... I, it's, the TV show is called In an Instant, and it shows how life can change just like that, boom, in an instant. And I, I like to watch it because I like to watch for the hand of God as he works out in the midst of really shocking and tragic situations. And then the people who are resilient, the choices they make, and who gets credit for having gone through this experience and got out the other side. So I like to watch for that, but I'd like to share it with you. It's it's a clip of the collapse of the I-35W bridge in Minneapolis. Um, It takes people in and out of downtown Minneapolis. Uh, It was sudden and shocking. So here's a little clip that gives you a feel for it. 421-410, 421-410, Tech number one, fire in place. the bridge collapsed. Apparently this bridge went down, we're going to be starting a couple other trucks. The 35W bridge, it's eight lanes of constant traffic all day long. We're well, going to need rescue all up and down the bridge on both sides. It was inconceivable that a bridge would just collapse. Bridges aren't supposed to fall down. Breaking news right now, we've just heard about a bridge collapse. I heard a snap. My car did a 70-foot nosedive. All I saw was a cloud of dust. The entire bridge is in the water. 35W bridge is in the water. I looked up and I could see the roadway just going up and up. Start some ambulances down here. We get a lot of victims out here. All I could think about was my first child coming in two weeks. I'm looking at a pool bus right now, in the middle of it all. The whole bridge can collapse. You can't comprehend that that would happen. It was just like a scene out of a horror movie, but it was real. there's the uh, there's the collapse what happens, and then they show stories of people and their response to the collapse and what happened and um, it's instructive for me, so I, I I watch the show when I'm just sitting around trying to relax. Um, sorry okay, I'm weird, aren't I? I just realized that was kind of odd um but anyway, they they talk about, I like it because they recreate it and then people talk about what happened. Well, the one guy, the second guy, the older gentleman, he was in charge of figuring out what in the world went wrong. And so they traced it back to a design flaw. It was the steel gusset joints that hold the whole thing together were too thin. Lasted 48 years, almost 50 years, but it came whoosh and cause a lot of harm, a lot of trouble for people. This is the picture you get from this verse. We can build without the Lord, but will we hold up as we do? Will the work of our hands be established if we go rogue and use another blueprint than the one that that he has, has given? One of the challenges is that we're building in many areas of life all at once. All at once. We're not just building a career, but we're building a career along with a family, with a ministry, handling our budget, watching our investments, trying to grow friendships, trying to get a break every once in a while. We're, We're doing this in a context. You can't take a decade to work on family life. Then the next decade career, the next decade ministry. All, all of this stuff is going on at once. We're trying to juggle. We're trying to handle it. If, if you don't nurture your friendships, your family relationships while you build your career, they can collapse on you. There can be real trouble. Uh, if you focus on growing wealth alone, that's, that's the focus. Life gets empty. And in the end, you just hand it off to somebody else because of the one-to-one ratio to those who move on to the next life. That there is. So there's a real danger as we build uh, in our 30s, particularly, there's a danger of overlooking what matters most while we build. I I found that I need help on a daily basis to stay focused, to even figure out as I look at the list of things and as I bear up under the pressures, I need help to know what to focus on today. I can get in the swirl of all the demands and I can lose focus. So where do I get the help? We need more than a blueprint to work from. We need a master builder to guide. And and that's who God is. I've found that God is faithful to guide when I rely on him to help me. He gives the guidance. He helps me focus. When I seek to build in a way that pleases Him, and I step out daily to do the things that please Him, He gives the help I need. He gives the strength. He gives the ability. He brings things together in a way that, that I just cannot. He, he'll let me build my house on my own. He, he will. But when I work a day in my own effort, the frustration multiplies. It just multiplies. And that's what this verse is talking about. The Lord can show us what's best today to focus on. He, he can. We just have to ask him. He's waiting for us to ask. And when we ask, he, he begins to pull it together. We, we build our lives in dependence on him as we depend on him. And if that's not enough, there's something else. I mean, if it's not enough that we're handling all of these things at once, there's something else. We should expect to battle while we build. That's another thing. Not only is the building taking place in life as it is amidst all the priorities clashing and having to decide what to focus on, but it's not in a quiet meadow. Now, I would like to build in a quiet meadow. We don't build in a quiet meadow, we build in the middle of a battlefield. And so we should expect that, we should expect the battle while we build. That's the way life is. Nehemiah, I made up a new name, Nehemiah. I've been on vacation, you'll have to forgive me. Um, Nehemiah, he was a man that God used to help rebuild the city of Jerusalem while Israel was under siege from a conquering nation, from Persia, he was cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes, so God put him right in a place where, if God would grant it, he could have influence on the king. And you, you can tell in the story that they developed a, a very trusting relationship, but Artaxerxes was the king of Persia. I don't have time to go into the whole story, but you you really should read it for yourself if, if you want to take the time. It wouldn't take you very long this week to read it because He shows us how to build with God. The way Nehemiah handles the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem, which is what he set out to do, he handles it every step of the way, trusting in God. It's a tremendous guide to building God's way. He leaned on the Lord at every turn and relied on him, depended on him to do something that was way beyond his own power to do because the walls of a city were the protection for that city. They were under siege. Does it make sense that the conquering nation would allow you to rebuild the wall? No, it doesn't. This was way beyond him. And the surrounding peoples, uh, they didn't want Jerusalem to rebuild their wall. They didn't want them to regain strength and power. And so, as they built, here's a description of it in Nehemiah 4.17, Those who carry burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other hand. It's a great picture of what we do because we are building and we can't even use both hands to build. We got to use one hand. We're building with one hand while we keep our, you know, while we keep the enemy back as we build. This, This is the way life is. So we build while we battle. We face adversity that's a part of life since the fall of man. And our enemy, Satan, presses against us to keep us from building in a way that honors God. And he tempts us to ignore the Lord in the way that we're building and to build on our own effort. This is what, this is what the context is for our building. It's not like we can just calmly look at the blueprint and start, pan, pan, you know, hammering away. We're building, and we're building in the middle of a battle. So we build with the tool in one hand and the weapons God provides in another. And here's the key: Jesus is the only way to victory. He, he is the only way that we can gain victory in this battle, depending on Him. So we depend on the Lord to build. We depend on the Lord to win the victory in the battles. Spiritual battles cannot be won on our own strength. So we have to rely on the victory that Jesus won on the cross for us. Or we're going down in the fight. We're going down in the fight if we rely on ourselves to build and to battle. We, we just can't do it in our own strength. All of the outcomes that we desire in every arena of life, are beyond our control. We, we have to depend on God to bring those outcomes. It's the only way. He bears the fruit that we want. A major weapon of the enemy is fear and anxiety. The what-ifs can paralyze us. As we build, um, we we. Can fall into the what ifs. What if our kids rebel and the family life falls apart? What if I get really sick? What if we lo- lose our job? What if I can't resolve this conflict? And it just goes on and on and on. What if the crucial thing that we're working on related to this project right now, what if it doesn't go well? What if it blows up? What if nobody shows up to the party? What if I put all this work in and it doesn't turn out? There are no guarantees. We fight fear with the weapons that God has given. The shield of faith, God will not rip me off as I serve him, as I depend on him. And uh, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Spurgeon, who was a a famous pastor in England uh, in the late 1800s, he, he had a newsletter and he called the newsletter The Sword and the Trowel. Yeah, this was the picture. The sword, the word of God, this is how we build. We, we build with the weapon in one hand and the tool to build in the other. This is, this is the way life is. We build our lives on a battlefield instead of the quiet meadow. Jesus wants to help us build, so he's shown us some things. He, he laid out some pretty important things. Qualities that God blesses as we build and these apply to all of us, but particularly in your 30s You'll find yourself needing to come back to these over and over again. The first is faithfulness Luke twelve forty eight. Jesus says everyone to whom much is given Of him much will be required and from him to whom they entrusted much they will demand more So we're entrusted with our life And it's faithfulness that allows us to build the right way. Faithfulness to God. There are three elements as we build that God always keeps in balance. The first one is privilege to whom much was given. It's a privilege to be alive. It's a privilege to live in this country. It's a privilege to have what we have. The strength and the ability to live the life that we've been given. Second element is accountability. Much will be required. When you're given much, much is required. You're held accountable for it. And then the third is responsibility. They will demand more. Now, these things stay in balance as you grow in influence and and, um, status in life. As you grow in these things, they stay in balance. The privilege always matches the level of responsibility. And accountability gets higher and higher the more you go up the ladder. This is the way it works. We tend to focus on privilege and get frustrated when we don't get more of it without adding responsibility to it. This is the way we're wired. This is something we do. By God's design, more privilege comes as we're faithful to handle the current responsibilities we tend to focus on wanting more of it but god keeps these things in balance this is the way it works the reward of faithfulness we want privilege but with privilege the reward of faithfulness is more responsibility cs lewis in one of the chronicles of arnia books he the horse and the boy, has the horse and his boy said this. I think this is a great statement. He uses these books to try to to teach. If you do one good deed, your reward usually is to be set to do another and harder and better one. This is the way life works. It's a great statement because this is the reward of handling your responsibilities well are more and better. But we just want the better. (laughs) We don't want the more. We just want a better set of responsibilities. But the reward is all tied up together. God blesses faithfulness as we build. Doing what I need to do today to handle my role and responsibilities in a way that pleases Him. Rather than fuming over the advantage my coworkers have. Or maybe they get. I, I do what I need to do right here and now to please God. Because I'm depending on Him to help me build. Rather than... Giving in to envy as the family member drives up in the luxury car that I really wanted. I just focus on my family. Hey, I'm going to make this. I, I'm going to focus on what really matters here. Treating each other right. Uh, working together as a team to serve God. I, I don't give in to that. God blesses faithfulness, but we, we choose it in the midst of a battle. The second quality that God blesses is Humility. Now, this is something we need to choose in every decade. It was it was mentioned last week, and we'll see how important it is as we continue, but Jesus tells a story about two men who pray, a Pharisee who's haughty, he looks down on others, um, and in his prayer, he says, thank you, God, that I'm not a sinner like the other men, and then he names some common sins, and he starts pointing to people in the crowd, wrong lifestyles, and he points to a tax collector as an example. Then in the story, Jesus says, the tax collector prays. And he won't even lift his eyes to heaven, but he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And here's what Jesus says about that. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. And then he, he tell, gives us a law that's built into life. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The tra- trajectory of a, human, of a humble person's life is incline. The trajectory of a proud person's life is decline, a very steep decline. This, this principle is all throughout Scripture. And so as we build, we keep choosing humility. One way to express humility is to thank God for breath, life, strength, the ability to live. Do it every day. Start out doing that, thanking God. Live through the day in gratitude, thanking God for everything that's going on and for the help he's giving to deal with it. We acknowledge our complete dependence on him to build a life of significance that withstands the tests that we're facing Another way to choose humility is to keep depending on the Lord to guide as we build. Pouring over every day and asking God to help, to guide. Finding out what God says about family life, finances, career, business, ministry. So we build in a way that brings him and then continuing to check in Throughout our days as we live them to, to get strength, to get wisdom from God. Father, would you help me with this conversation? Would you help me with this project? Would you help me with this? Because unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. As we wrap up the message today, I'd like to uh, ask the band uh, to come up. And I'd like to ask you, if you would, to pull out the connection card that you find in, in your program. You may have referred to it earlier. Uh, I'd like to uh, ask you, if you would, to finish completing any information or next steps that are there. And then when the offering comes around, you can drop the card in the offering as we receive it. Uh, here are a couple suggestions for next steps. Every morning this week, I want to thank God for giving me life. And the ability to work and build. Just thank God every day. Spend some time thanking Him. Second one, this week, I need to focus on building. Maybe you want to circle that. And you want to focus on building and maybe you're stuck and you want to find out what God says about something. Ask ask some folks for help with that who've walked with God for a while. Or I need to focus on battling. I've just been caving to the battle. I've been giving in and I need to focus on that. As we receive our offering today, I want to thank you for your giving. Uh, We're able to do what we do based on the gifts uh, that that you give uh, as our members and attenders. So thank you. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word that really does shape our hearts and minds in the right way as we soak it in. I pray that, God, you give us the ability to soak it in. I pray, God, that you would. Give us the strength again to step out to obey you in the things that you've laid on our heart, that we might please you and honor you and build our lives in a way that that brings you glory and pleasure. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.